Eve Emma Scott, Calibre Audio's Head of Literature and Audio Book Production, welcoming you to the Spring 2020 edition of the Calibre Echo. We are bringing this newsletter to you in very different circumstances, as we are all operating in lockdown at the moment due to the coronavirus outbreak. Therefore, this season's edition of the Echo will be available via our website and podcast only, and we hope to be back to normal when the autumn edition comes round. We are working hard to continue to provide the service to members to try and ensure no one is without a book. So while there may be some delays in getting them to you, please be reassured that they are in progress. In the meantime, we hope you're all keeping safe and well at this time. It has been a time of exciting changes at Calibre over the last few months as we have relaunched ourselves as Calibre Audio and our service will now be free of charge to anyone with a print disability. Our mission is to be the most customer-focused provider of accessible audiobooks so that anyone with a print reading disability, no matter what their background or personal circumstances, can experience the power and joy of reading. In this issue, our new Chief Executive, Anthony Kemp, will be introducing himself and outlining our aims for the service in the future. In Book News, we celebrate the 300th anniversary of the novel, an interview with author Stephen Booth, and a tribute to the authors who died last year. Finally, we highlight some awareness days that we will be promoting, along with telling you about World Book Night and the Carnegie Greenaway Awards. Firstly, for those of you wondering if we were going to repeat our reading resolution challenge from last year, then wonder no more, as James Beston, our marketing lead, is here to tell you all about it. As some of you may know, we've decided to host a reading resolution for our members last year. We had a good response from our members and were amazed at the number of books that they read. We plan to do the same again this year, but with the launch of the new brand and website, we got a bit waylaid. Before we knew it, it was March. So this year we are launching our Summer Reading Challenge to coincide with the challenge being run in public libraries across the country. This way, our younger members can get involved and we can still leave the challenge open to members of all ages. We will be starting on Saturday the 20th of June, when the challenge launches in libraries across Scotland, and running it until Friday the 25th of September. And, like last year, everyone who takes part will be entered into a free prize draw, where one lucky member will win a £20 Amazon voucher. The prize will be a random draw, so you don't have to be the person who read the most books to be the winner. The Summer Reading Challenge theme for 2020 is Silly Squad, a celebration of funny books, happiness and laughter. But you are free to read any books that you want. The idea is simply to encourage our members to read more books and hopefully discover some hidden treasures they may not have read within our audiobook range. If you are interested in taking part, visit our new website at caliberaudio.org.uk and click on the Reading Challenge link at the bottom of the front page. There, you will be asked for a contact email address and how many books you pledge to read over the summer. If you don't have access to the internet or email, don't worry. Just call us on 01296 432 339 and leave your details with membership services. It doesn't matter how many or how few you enter, but the aim is to enjoy more books than last summer. So why not give yourself a challenge? 
We hope that this is one challenge that even if you don't meet, you will have fun trying. Next, Denise James, our editorial coordinator, celebrates the anniversary of the novel. The 300th anniversary of the publication of Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe is being celebrated at the BBC with a list of 100 English-language novels that shaped our world, chosen by a panel of writers, journalists and thinkers. The year-long celebration, which was launched in November 2019, will feature content on BBC TV, radio and the BBC website. Resources are also being made available on the BBC Arts website for use by libraries and reading groups. In the BBC TV three-part series, Novels That Shaped Our World, the books, arranged into ten categories, are discussed through the perspective of women's voices, the empire and working-class experience. The range of titles chosen varies widely from children's books and blockbusters to celebrated literary classics, so there's something for everyone. To give you an idea of what is included in the list, we have chosen two of our favourite books in each of the ten categories outlined below. In category one, Identity, we have chosen Days Without End by Sebastian Barry, catalogue number 11707 and Half of the Yellow Sun by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, catalogue number 7992. In category two, Love, Sex and Romance, we have two very different books. Riders by Julie Cooper, catalogue number 3515, and Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, catalogue number 7421. In category 3, Adventure, The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins, catalogue number 617126, and Eye of the Needle by Ken Follett, catalogue number 13651. In category four, Life, Death and Other Worlds, we have gone for The Road by Cormac McCarthy, catalogue number 9760, and A Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin, catalogue number 10462 and 10463. From category five, Politics, Power and Protest, The Choices, Noughts and Crosses by Mallory Blackman, catalogue number 616377, and Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, catalogue number 9393. Category 6, Class and Society, includes Poor Cow by Nell Dunn, Catalogue number 9446 and 
Disgrace by J.M. Coetzee, catalogue number 5357. Category 7, Coming of Age, has Twilight by Stephanie Meyer, catalogue number 616856, and Emily of New Moon by L.M. Montgomery, catalogue number 10004. From Category 8, Family and Friendship, we went for Middlemarch by George Eliot, catalogue number 10240, and A Suitable Boy by Vikram Seth, catalogue number 13677. Category 9, Conflict and Crime, includes The Talented Mr Ripley by Patricia Highsmith, catalogue number 10980, and The Reluctant Fundamentalist by Mohsin Hamid, catalogue number 7867. Our final two titles from category 10, Rule Breakers, are 1984 by George Orwell, catalogue number 9499, and Orlando by Virginia Woolf, catalogue number 5823. We are pleased to say that, to date, we have an amazing 71 of the 100 books on the list in the Calibre Library and we will be seeking to add more in the future. If you would like to include some others from the list on your wish list, then please contact Membership Services who will be happy to help. On to Sheeran Wellam, Head of Marketing and Fundraising, who wants to highlight some awareness days that we will be promoting this year. Hello, I'm Sheeran Wellam, Head of Marketing at Calibre Audio. Throughout the spring, we're going to be running a number of campaigns around awareness days, such as World Health Day, the 7th of April. And then starting on the 18th of May is Mental Health Awareness Week. During June, Hi-Viz, the new name for Make-A-Noise-In-Libraries from the 1st to the 14th. And of course, don't forget about World Book Night on the 23rd of April. We'd love to hear from you about your favourite stories and what makes them special to you. Contact us through membership services or visit our new website, caliberaudio.org.uk. Anthony Kemp, our new Chief Executive, to introduce himself. It's great to have this opportunity to say hello to everybody. Um, I've been at Calibre now since October last year, so just over six months. Um, really enjoying working here, and it's really great to see how passionate everybody is about reading and enjoying the services we offer. I think before I talk about myself, it's probably best to just talk about the exciting times we've got ahead. It's 2020 will be a really interesting and exciting year for Calibre and our readers and members. Um, as you may have seen, we've already developed a new website. We've reduced our membership fee, so it's free now to everybody and there's no joining fee. 
And over the coming year to two years, we'll be developing a number of new services, more digital services, more online services to allow people really to have more access to the books that they love reading whenever and wherever they want. We're also trying to diversify our membership. So we're really keen again, really, to encourage broader groups of people to enjoy our books. So for that end, when you look at our new website, you can sign up with any disability that provides you from reading printed books. So again, hopefully you'll take the opportunity to look at that, sign up and enjoy our free book service. Uh, just a bit about myself. So um, I started my career working for the BBC in television, spent quite a few years there, um, then decided to go and work in the private media sector, spent about four years working there, then decided to go and work in local government after a friend of mine uh, went into it and said it was an interesting place to work, spent eight years working in local government. Uh, then I decided to work for myself in a consultancy business, set my own consultancy up, and did some work for various clients. And that's where I did my first charity piece of work. I was worked for a charity for about a year and a half and found it a really interesting piece of work. And that really gave me the insight into what fantastic work charities do. Um, so I decided then I wanted my next job to be uh, in a charity. Uh, and luckily enough, in June, July last year, the role at Calibre came up. I applied for it. Uh, and I was lucky enough and successful to get the job. As I say, I started in October, really enjoying it. Looking forward to a really exciting 2020 and beyond and working with all our team here and all our readers to enjoy more and more of our great books. Thanks, Anthony. Following on from Anthony, we go to my interview with author Stephen Booth. Author Stephen Booth was born in the English Pennine mill town of Burnley and was a newspaper and magazine journalist for over 25 years before leaving it in 2001 to devote his time to writing novels. Stephen's first published novel, Black Dog, marked the arrival in print of his best-known creations, two young Derbyshire police detectives, DC Ben Cooper and DS Diane Fry. Black Dog was named by the London Evening Standard as one of the six best crime novels of the year, the only book on their list written by a British author. In recent years, Stephen Booth has become a library champion in support of the UK's Love Libraries campaign and a reading champion to support the National Year of Reading. In contrast, he also began breeding pedigree dairy goats as a hobby whilst living on a small holding in Yorkshire. Stephen was speaking at Bushy Library as part of Hertfordshire Library's Literature Festival and I caught up with him just before his talk. Welcome Stephen. May I just start, um, before becoming a best-selling crime writer, you had an established career of over 25 years in journalism. Can I ask what it is that made you decide to turn your writing skills towards producing a novel? It, it was actually the other way around. I, I always wanted to be a novelist from when I was very young. In fact, I wrote my first novel when I was 12 years old and from that moment when I finished that first novel I knew that was what I wanted to do and I grew up but you can't just leave school and be a novelist so <laughs> it, I worked out that the way to earn a living by writing was to be a newspaper journalist because that's what they did so that was my very first job a trainee newspaper reporter and I did that very happily for a number of years but it was a way of earning a living by writing, and I, I never forgot what I really wanted to do. Um, when I was no longer really happy with the newspaper business, I set my mind very seriously to getting published. I thought, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And it was just what I'd always, always dreamed of, and I was very lucky to be able to 
be able to give up day job and do it full time. Yeah, well, <laughs> I imagine that some of the stories may have helped you in, in some of your um, writings it, going forward. Was that It was, that was a tremendous or? experience. Being a journalist was probably the best experience I could have had for a future career as a novelist because you learn so many things, you know, practical things like deadlines and being edited. But also because I worked on local newspapers almost all of my career, you have to be able to turn your hand to any kind of writing, any story you're given, any assignment. You just have to be able to do it because there aren't any specialists. And I covered everything. You know, I started off as a sports reporter, actually. And then I turned to news and I covered crime and court. I sat in courtrooms for hour after hour watching the criminal justice system in operation as, a, as an observer which is a big eye-opener if you've never mm -hmm. done it. And I got to know a lot of police officers really well on a very informal basis, as, as we were quite friendly with the police at that time. And all of that was, was very helpful to me. It's all been material for me to use now as a, as a novelist. Have you ever called upon any of the people that you've met along the way to sort of um, check with them details and things I, like that? Well, I, you... I use them as characters. Oh, right. <laughs> and, uh, some of the characters in my books are based on some of the old coppers that I, I used, to know, used to know back in the day. But fortunately, when you're writing a novel, of course, you always change the characters a little bit. You, you base them perhaps on one or two people. Nobody ever recognises themselves, mm -hmm. uh, which is lucky. <laughs> they, they, the police officers tend to recognise their colleagues in the books, but they don't recognise themselves. Um, and when I started to write the Cooper and Fry novels, I, I didn't know much about the technical side of police procedure or forensics. Um, if I need to know that, I've got to ask somebody still now. But I thought I knew who the characters were, and, and that was a big help to me too to create my fictional detectives. Uh, I knew what went on in the station and how police officers talked to each other and how they thought about the job, mm. and that was, that was a big help. Was crime, the crime genre a sort of natural thing for you to go into? Was that the genre that you thought when you'd I, like to write in? When I first started writing as a, as a teenager, I was into science fiction. Oh. That, that, <laughs> it was the 1960s and we, you know, people were landing on the moon. Mm. That's what we were all interested in now, but at that time. Um, but as I grew up, I became a big fan of crime fiction as a reader. You know, I, I read a huge amount of crime fiction before I ever started to write it. I knew the genre very well as a, as a fan. So when I first wrote the first Cooper and Fry novel, uh, which was called Black Dog, I simply sat down and wrote the sort of book that I would have enjoyed reading myself mm. as a fan of crime fiction, which makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it comes across <laughs> from reading it, actually. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have a publishing contract. I'd, I'd written several other novels which hadn't been published, which was still sitting in the drawer. So I didn't know at that time that Black Dog would be any different, but I thought, this is what I would like to read as a, as a fan of crime fiction. Well, talking about um, your series of crime books, they feature the Detective Constable Ben Cooper and Detective Sergeant Diane Fry. Now, I think it's fair to say that Ben's sort of a, a sensitive soul, um, maybe a little bit passive in his character as well, whereas Diane is the more dominant and stronger persona. Um, did they start out like that in your imagination, or did they evolve as you were writing them? When I began to write the series, I, I, I didn't know much about them at all. I, I was 
reacting really against what I was reading at the time. All the crime series seemed to feature some uh, world-weary, middle-aged, alcoholic loner. You know, I don't need to name them, do I? No. You can think who they, are, who they were. I've got two. <laughs> um, and he was always a man, and he was always at least inspector or chief inspector rank. And I wanted to do something different. So I, I decided to make my detectives young and junior police officers. So they're actually both detective constables at the start of the series, at the bottom rung of the ladder in CID. And, and they, they're young. And I thought about having a male and female duo, and then immediately thought, that's a, that's a bit of a cliche. And I wanted to be different. So that was why I did a bit of gender reversal and made Ben the caring, sensitive one. And Diane is the more hard-edged, aggressive of the, of the two, which made them really interesting to write about because the dynamics of the relationship were then quite different, I think, from anything that anybody was writing at, at, at that time. And, and the rest of it really developed on the page as, as I started writing about them. So the whole of their, their characters, their personalities, their backstories, their families, all came as I wrote about them. And it was very interesting because that first book, Black Dog, was very different from anything I'd written before that. And it was entirely due to those two characters. They came alive on the page when I started writing about them. And I discovered who they were just, just by writing that, that book. And that made all the difference, I think. As a reader, it's refreshing to read them, actually, because you, you enjoy seeing their story unfold. It's yes, a, and yeah, it was for me. It was fascinating mm. for me. But I, it was an entire... Dis and it still is now a discovery process, finding out about them and allowing them to surprise me. Was, was very interesting. Your books are produced in audio format too, which is incredibly important, important to our members. So I'd just like to ask if you have any involvement with this process in terms of choosing any narrators or even advising on how content in the story should sound or be voiced? Or... I, I don't, actually. I, I, have, I did visit the studio once when my, one of my books was, was being narrated, but um, I know there are some authors who like to read their own books, and uh, that has never tempted me at all because I think you need a good actor to, to do it, otherwise, you know, it sounds terrible sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have actually never listened to any of my own books on audio, and, that, and that's because I, when I'm writing, I don't want somebody else's voice in my head. Oh, that's interesting. Because um, I can hear my characters mm. talking. I know exactly what my characters sound like in my own head. And to hear, and I, no matter how good the actor is, and mm. um, readers tell me that, that they are very good, the, the audio books, I don't want to hear that actor's voice in my head. It's, it's quite a danger for, for writers, I think, to, to, to get a different voice in, in their mind. So as long as I'm still writing the books, I think I will shy away from listening to them myself. Um, but as I say, re readers tell me that the actors are, are very good. And, They've always been um, male readers, and I, both the characters in the books, Ben Cooper and Diane Fry, are equally important to me. And there was one book where I, I thought, you know, readers don't seem to be paying enough attention to Diane Fry because Ben Cooper seems to be the popular one. And I, and I drew Diane out a bit more deliberately and made her a bigger part of the story. And I can remember the, um, the audio publishers actually contacted me and said, 
did I think there ought to be a female reader for this particular book, which I, I thought was quite a triumph, actually. Yes, that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I hadn't said anything to them. They actually asked me that because they, they'd noticed that, that Diane had, had, had come to the fore, but, uh, but they actually decided to go with a, a male, oh. carry on with a male, male reader again, which, I mean, it's their, mm. it's their decision, but I think it would be quite interesting to have them read by a female. Mm. Well, as you say, she's, she's just as big a part of the book. She is, and I, I really enjoy writing about Diane mm. Fry, actually. Ben is the one who readers like a lot. He has a lot of fans around the world, does mm. Ben. But for me, Diane is the more complex character, and she's quite a challenge for me to write about, of course. And for me to write about, you know, from the point of view of yeah. a 30-year-old woman is quite a leap of the imagination. But I, we like a challenge as writers. Oh, I'm still just about being in that age bracket. You, you got it right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love to do that because I, mm. I like to try and get into her head and write from her point of view. I find really interesting. Um, your next novel, you mentioned that you've got 18 books and your 18th mm. is Fall Down Dead, which is, is just about to come out. Could you give our listeners a bit of an overview of what it's about? Yes, th- this one is, is set in... Uh, one of the most iconic areas of the Peak District, and one of the most atmospheric, actually. Uh, Kinder Scout, which is the highest uh, hill or mountain in the Peak District. And it's quite, it's a beautiful area, but can be quite dangerous. And it's quite a common thing now for walkers to go up on the hills in a place like Peak District, totally unprepared, without no idea how to navigate <laughs> and you know, no no compass reading or map reading abilities. Uh, relying entirely on the mobile phones and, and some parts of the Peak District there is no bo- mobile phone signal. So in this book, the the weather turns bad and a group of walkers get completely lost on Kinder Scout in the fog, and one of the walkers doesn't make it back down alive. Okay. So it's, in a way, it's kind of a classic uh, closed room mystery and there's a very limited number of suspects uh, with no way of, of, es- of escaping from the situation. So Ben Cooper and his team have to try and figure out which of the members of this walking party was responsible for the death. Sounds a bit Agatha Christie, actually. Sounds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but set on top of the mountain. On the mountain, yeah, which is not... <laughs> Well, um, Stephen, I can't thank you enough for talking to us. And I can thoroughly recommend your books, and I hope this encourages some of our members who haven't yet discovered your books to give them a try. But thank you anyway for joining us today. Thank you very much. This is an edited version of our interview with Stephen Booth. If you would like to listen to the full conversation, then please visit our website at caliberaudio.org.uk. If listening to Stephen talk about his writing has inspired you to seek out his books, then we have all of the Cooper and Fry series available to borrow. Please contact our membership services team to get them added to your request list. Denise is back with a tribute to authors that sadly died last year, highlighting the great stories they left behind. The last year has witnessed the deaths of several highly successful and well-loved authors, including M.C. Beaton, Clive James, 
Andrea Levy, Helen Dunmore, Tony Morrison and Judith Kerr. Their popularity with Calibre members and staff alike has inspired us to pay tribute to each one as a mark of our sadness at their passing. MC Beaton, who also wrote under the name Marion Chesney, is one of the most heavily borrowed authors in the library. Hardly surprising when you realise that she was the author of several popular series such as Agatha Raisin and Hamish Macbeth. The latter was dramatised for BBC Scotland TV in the 1990s, starring Robert Carlyle as the police constable who keeps law and order in the highland town of Loch Dub, accompanied by his West Highland terrier, Wee Jock. Her Agatha Raisin books have also made the small screen, with Ashley Jensen of Extras fame portraying the PR agent who retires to the Cotswolds and a life of amateur sleuthing. Her Marion Chesney books, which have since been republished under the M.C. Beaton name, are in the vein of light-hearted historical romances and mysteries set in the Georgian era. Calibre have most of the School for Manners series for you to enjoy. Helen Dunmore started her literary career writing poetry and short stories before her first novel, Zena in Darkness, catalogue number 12328, was published in 1993 when she was 40. Not long after, in 1996, she was awarded the inaugural Orange Prize for Fiction for A Spell of Winter, the story of two siblings abandoned to the care of their grandfather at his country house in Norfolk just before the First World War. One of her best-selling books was The Siege, catalogue number 6023, which was nominated for the Whitbread Prize in 2001 and the Baileys Prize in 2002. It describes the terrible deprivations endured by two couples during the Siege of Leningrad in 1941 and has been described as literary writing of the highest order set against a background of suffering so intimately reconstructed it is hard to believe that Dunmore was not there. Two of her other novels have also been nominated for prestigious awards. House of Orphans, catalogue number 7433, for the Bailey's Prize in 2006, and The Betrayal, catalogue number 9155, the sequel to The Siege, for the Man Booker Prize in 2010. Clive James, the Sydney-born writer, broadcaster, critic and poet, was known for his razor-sharp wit and merciless humour. He first came to the UK in 1962. Not long after his arrival, he gained a place at Cambridge and eventually embarked on a successful career as a newspaper and TV critic. He is also known for his TV shows, including Clive James on Television and Saturday Night Clive, and wrote poetry, novels and five volumes of memoirs. They include 
Falling Towards Britain, catalogue number 3300, which covers his time in London on arrival in Britain. May Week Was in June, catalogue number 3354, which describes his time in Cambridge. And North Face of Soho, catalogue number 7602, in which he begins his television career. Clive James received a diagnosis of terminal leukaemia in 2010, but continued to write, including several poetry collections, such as Sentence to Life, catalogue number 11578, and Injury Time, catalogue number 13514, the latter addressing his encroaching death and the joys of the unexpected gift of time that he received thanks to modern medicine. Andrea Levy was one of the first writers to document the experience of black Britons, in particular those of families and daughters. Her works have gathered numerous awards and at the same time are immensely popular and readable. The first of her novels to attract wide critical acclaim was her fourth, Small Island, catalogue number 6824. Published in 2004, it won the Orange Prize for Fiction, the Whitbread Novel Award and the Whitbread Book of the Year, as well as the Commonwealth Writers' Prize Best Book Award. It also won the Orange Best of the Best Prize. It focuses on the experiences of those from her father's generation who came to Britain after serving in the RAF during the Second World War. The story was beautifully told in the two-part BBC television drama of the same name, starring Naomi Harris and David Oleowo as Hortense and Gilbert the young married couple from Jamaica, and Ruth Wilson as good-hearted Queenie. Her final novel, The Long Song, catalogue number 8841, goes back in time to the beginning of the 19th century and the final years of slavery and the transition to freedom in Jamaica. The story is told by July, an old woman looking back on her life as a house slave on a sugar plantation. It was also successfully adapted for television by the BBC with a cast that featured TV favourite Lenny Henry. Toni Morrison was one of the few women and the only African-American author to date to be awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. Morrison also worked as an editor and a professor as well as being a prize-winning novelist. Her work is renowned for its beautiful language, the rich portrayal of African-American characters and the epic themes examined. One of her greatest masterpieces, the Pulitzer Prize-winning Beloved, catalogue number 9713, is based on the real-life story of a former slave who is haunted by her decision to kill her children rather than have them born into slavery. 
Her other, most popular novels include The Bluest Eye, Sula, Song of Solomon, Beloved, Jazz, Love and Mercy. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama in 2012. Finally, we also said goodbye to the enormously popular children's writer and illustrator Judith Kerr, the author of the famous picture book The Tiger Who Came to Tea, as well as the lovely Mog the Cat books. She also wrote a trilogy based on her experiences as a young Jewish child fleeing Nazi Germany with her family. The books were written for her children to explain her childhood, which was so very different to theirs. When Hitler stole Pink Rabbit, catalogue number 616149, Bombs on Aunt Dainty, catalogue number 617095, and A Small Person Far Away, catalogue number 617158, can be enjoyed by both children and adults. Kerr was awarded an OBE for services to children's literature and Holocaust education in 2012. off, I want to tell you about a couple of projects that Calibre Audio is involved with. This year, we are delighted to be supporting the Reading Agency as they work to broaden their inclusivity and accessibility by offering audiobooks as part of their World Book Night celebrations, ensuring that everyone can participate in this national celebration of reading. World Book Night takes place annually on the 23rd of April. This year, there are 26 book titles included in the promotion, along with the four audiobooks, which are The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, North and South by Elizabeth Gaskell, Double Crossed by Brian Wood, and Bedtime Stories for Stressed Out Adults by Lucy Mangan. The idea is that you sign up to distribute the books on the 23rd of April in your community, which you can do via the World Book Night website. Applicants are picked at random, and if successful, you will receive an exclusive download code to give out for one of the audiobook titles as long as you signed up before the 23rd of April. If you would like to listen to the audio titles anyway, then we have three of them available, which are The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, North and South, and Double Cross. Contact the membership services team who will be able to add them to your list. Another project that we are delighted to be involved in this year is Sillip's Carnegie Greenaway Awards. The Sillip Carnegie Medal is awarded annually to a children's book author whose writing creates an outstanding reading experience. It was established in 1936 in memory of the Scottish-born philanthropist Andrew Carnegie. The Kate Greenaway Medal, established in 1955, is named after the popular 19th century artist known for her beautiful children's illustrations and designs. The Kate Greenaway Medal is awarded annually to a children's book illustrator whose artwork creates an outstanding reading experience. SILIP stands for the Chartered Institute of Library and Information Professionals and they are the leading voice for the information, knowledge management and library profession. 
Each year, thousands of reading groups in schools and libraries in the UK and overseas get involved in the awards, with children and young people shadowing the judging process. They read, discuss and review the books on the shortlist, get involved in reading-related activities in groups and vote for their favourite books to win the Shadowers' Choice Awards. We are thrilled to be able to offer the shortlist of titles for the Carnegie Awards in audio for our members to listen to and to make the titles accessible for children involved in the shadowing process who have a print disability. this edition of the Calibre Echo, but before we go, we just wanted to mention a couple of things that may help you use our service. We produce a quarterly listing of all the new titles that we have added to the catalogue called For Your Ears Only. This is available on request and can be received in audio on MP3 CD, Memory Stick or in large print format, or we can email you a copy. It can also be accessed via our website and is available as a podcast which you can access via your usual podcast provider. If you've ever wondered about using our Memory Stick service to receive your books on, but were unsure if the format was right for you, then did you know you can ask to receive one of your allocation of books on a Memory Stick so you can try it out? They can be played in any device with a USB port and speakers, and we also have a range of specially designed players that you can purchase, including the new portable solo player, which comes with complimentary earphones and lanyard neck strap, so you can use the player immediately. The player has simple controls designed with accessibility in mind, and you can listen with wired or Bluetooth earphones. You can even link it to your home speakers. If you want to use the player out and about, you can hang the player using the lanyard or pop it into your pocket. If you think you'd like to give Memory 6 a try, then contact our membership services team on 01296 432339. Remember, if you already receive books on Memory 6, they may on occasion arrive in bigger wallets. This is to utilise the resources we have and to make sure that we can get books out to you as quickly as possible. There is no change to how you return the books. Simply put the stick back in the wallet, zip it up and reverse the label in the pouch at the front before posting it back to us. You may also notice a change in colour to some of the memory sticks as we have just ordered some brand new ones which are bright green in colour. Lastly, a reminder that we are now issuing MP3 CDs for three months instead of six months. This is to bring them in line with USB memory sticks and to make it less confusing with only having one return date to remember for both of these formats. Thank you for listening and if you have any comments on the items featured please contact Emma Scott at Calibre on 01296 432339 or email her at emma.scott@calibre.org.uk. Goodbye for now from all of us here and could I remind you to return this recording to Calibre for other members to borrow. The Calibre Echo was recorded and edited by Alex Martinig. The music was provided with kind permission from Josh Woodward. You can find more of his work on his website www.joshwoodward.com. Mm-hmm.